Welcome to the Make That Money Honey podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Joe, and each week I will be bringing you a combination of interviews and solo episodes with industry leaders in finance, entrepreneurship, and women in business. As a former certified financial planner turned financial coach and entrepreneur, I will be sharing my knowledge on how to have better conversations about money within your marriage, relationships, and family dynamics. I will also be teaching fundamental financial literacy about all of the topics that you wish you learned in school. This podcast will get you to think outside the box, create more abundance in your life, and improve your money mindset. So make sure to follow and tune in weekly, and it would mean the world to me if you shared these episodes with a friend and left me a five-star review. Welcome back for another episode of the Make That Money Honey podcast. Today's guest, I am so, so excited to interview. His name is Jim Carter, and he has recently become one of the new owners of the Fast Foundations Mastermind, which I engaged in last year, which was absolutely life-changing for me. For over two decades, Jim's passion for technology has shined through projects of all sizes and industries. After seeing firsthand the power that tech has to make a greater impact, Jim has dedicated his life to giving changemakers the tools they need to succeed and thrive. As a passionate technology coach, Jim uses his 20 plus years of knowledge, expertise, and experiences to advise social impact organizations, brands, and experts. Jim is the founder of Carter and Custer, an agency providing growth and content strategies for purpose-driven brands and organizations of all sizes. He's an Eagle Scout, entrepreneur, husband, and father of two. He's a public speaker and trainer across all industries. Jim resides in the Los Angeles area, enjoys a fine cup of coffee, the occasional glass of whiskey, and rocks a mustache with pride. Yes, he does. <laughs> so I hope you're watching the video of this episode as well. So welcome to the show today, Jim. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Sandra. So we were just catching up before we actually hit record, and I feel like we're going to have so much to talk about. But one of the areas that I would love to start on is... How did you get started in technology? Because this is such a fast-growing industry, and there's so much to learn in this space. Yeah, taking it way back, getting started. One of the one of the very first things that I found myself passionate about was building, and I I really got into that when I was I would say probably around the junior high, um, kind of middle school, junior high uh, age. And I, I really took on a passion for tech early on. Back then, computers were not like opening your Mac or, you know, your, your Windows Touch tablet or anything like that. Now, if you had a computer, it was either like an Apple II or it was uh, completely pieced together with Frankenstein parts uh, and it was an IBM base and you had to do everything. You had to install the power <laughs> supply yourself. You had to set up the motherboard. You had to piece together all of the peripherals. And there was something about the rawness of how the industry was just super evolving almost by the day that, uh, that drew me to it. The, f the very first computer my parents picked up was, uh, was an Apple IIe. And with that, you know, we're talking the big old five and a quarter floppy disks. Mm -hmm. um, games took, you know, five to 10 discs to load onto the temporary drive and stuff. It was, you know, very raw, but it was so much fun. And I, I just, I, I found this passion in starting to piece together something that I could see, you know, like what could be in the future. And right. at the time, uh, you mentioned I'm an Eagle Scout. One of my Scoutmasters uh, was a computer repair technician. And he would just drop off extra computer parts at my parents' house and say, see if Jimmy can put these together and, you know, experiment and try some stuff. And I did. I, I took that challenge and it was a lot of fun. So I ended up having the best computer on the block of all of my friends because I took the best of everything and I learned and I understand what made something good. And from there, I sort of, I teamed that up with my passions of, um, you know, in scouting, it's very much uh, service to God and country and community. And with that, um, I found ways that I could start using tech to help out with what I was immediately doing. So that just evolved right out of uh, high school. Um, I started my first business. Um, I was uh, I picked up programming really early on. And with that, I was able to start finding ways to keep building, right? I, I found I wasn't as good with 
the tactical things like let's just say like plumbing and you know electrical and things like that i picked it up since but i I had this this really big drive and passion for what it'd be like to build my own software and with that that just spawned into my career (laughs) um i started kind of figuring out my own path Uh, i started down electrical engineering uh degree i left that went to a trade school went a little bit more bespoke and i started contracting for my instructors while i was in college because i'd finished the assignment so quick and they were like do you need a job? <laughs> I was like, absolutely. <laughs> so I, I almost turned college into a, uh, into a paid internship, which was really fun. And just building my network in, in sort of the, the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, that really gave me such a solid base uh, to thrive from there. And fast forward, I've just really helped with a lot of different projects. I've, I've worked with everything from you know Fortune 15 type companies to uh, startups and finding opportunities to merge technology with making a dent in the world has, has just been this ever-evolving passion. Yeah. I mean, that is such a cool story. And I love hearing how people have gone down their road where they start somewhere and then they evolve into the next role, into the next role and develop their skills and sort of branch off into do different industries. And I love how you've gone from, you know, the, the electrical engineering side to actually coaching people onto how to use technology for their businesses, their brands, scaling, you know, reaching their audience and, and things like that. So uh, with Carter and Custer, your agency, let's talk about that for a minute. When it comes to working with organizations and brands to reach their audience using technology and using your platform, uh, how do you how do you go about sort of that whole process? Like, let's say I was an entrepreneur and I came to you and I said, you know, what do you guys do? Well, my answer is typically whatever it takes. But to break that down and expand on it, <laughs> really, really, it starts with understanding where you want to go, right? Like you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. But if you don't know where yeah. you're shooting, you're, you're still going to miss. So we we typically start with with some kind of a bigger strategy that's involved. Um, when, like you said, we, we have a digital marketing agency, we support from, you know, million dollar plus brands down to, um, entrepreneurs who have a podcast that just want to grow their reach and each come with a different strategy because everybody's going a different place. So a really large brand may be trying to get to like market penetration or market saturation points, but a startup entrepreneur might just want to talk to more people in a different modality than they are right now. Like, let's Mm -hmm. say you have a podcast and you just don't know what to do on Instagram. Well, we can take your podcast and we can help you create reels. Um, We can take your podcast. We can help you create long form content to talk to Google. We can also take that long form content. We can put it into email marketing, you know, simple things that work, but that might already be done for, for somebody or a bigger brand that's already a little bit further down the road. So we, we understand the scope of what's possible. And I have a wonderful team that, that also knows how to take what's possible and then make it plausible, right? We figure out what should be done in the right time and in what order. And based off of that, we'll put together a custom package that means maybe we start with strategy and some of the foundational things. And then we, we push more of the aggressive things uh, a little bit farther down the road. Um, but it's different for everyone because it should be, right? One business right. model does not mean one marketing strategy. And with that, I'm, I'm happy to expand on that. But we, we love to be bespoke based off of what the end goal should be. And we're flexible enough to know that if something changes, you know, like breaking news, Elon just bought Twitter. We have no idea what Twitter is going to become um, under new ownership. So that right. may turn into a way different platform with way different utility. And that's how fast technology evolves. So it's important to be resilient and, and to understand what's possible and then turn it into action steps to actually get there. Yeah, I love that it because it makes it more malleable, you know, like having a strategy that looks at, you know, different ways of reaching your audience. Because as we just saw with Elon Musk buying Twitter, let's say you were only on Twitter and you didn't have an email marketing list, you weren't on YouTube, you weren't on Instagram or Facebook or any of those platforms. And then all of a sudden, neck tomorrow, Twitter vanishes and people go, okay, well, it's a public company. How could it vanish tomorrow? Right? Like anything, as we've seen, like anything is possible. So 
having a strategy that really taps into an audience on so many different levels. I can see how that would be so important. And even just as an entrepreneur myself, I don't know anything about, you know, certain platforms and it's not my area of expertise. And in order to learn all of that takes so much time. So I could definitely see the value of, of having an agency that comes up with a roadmap essentially for the client, depending on where they're at in their business, because everybody's journey is going to look different. It completely is. And um, I would never say that I know everything about all the platforms either. I mm-hmm. don't. Um, I, I know enough about most of them to be dangerous and to add, <laughs> add a little bit of context into it. But we have specialists that know um, very specific type things. And uh, that's where I love the power of the collective. You, you work with great right. people that you absolutely love working together to help their, you know, our collective clients hit their goals and, and hit their dreams. And it's, um, it's a wonderful day job. But yeah, different that, that, different skills for different things, right? <laughs> that, that's it, and and also being willing to change. An important yeah. an important mindset when it comes to marketing, though, is it can be very overwhelming in the beginning, right? You you know you quote unquote I'm doing the air quotes thing should be on all channels, you should be on all platforms, you should be omnipresent. Well, that's not very realistic for most people, unless time and money are no object, which again that's the unrealistic piece of it. So figuring out which ones really serve you and where your mm-hmm. customers, where the, the people who want to be part of your vision or your dream actually are, a lot of times just comes with experimenting. You know, be really honest, I'm, I'm an SEO expert. I've been in the industry for a decade. I know almost everything there is in those circles, and I love keeping on, on track of that. But at this yeah. phase in the business right now, we're not really blogging. And yeah. You know, if somebody asked me why, I'm like, because we're working on so many other things. Like, we know that's viable. We know it's important, but it's more important that we resource the team to the right things that that is based off of our goal. So if we don't take the time to measure and figure out what we're doing with it, it's worse than putting efforts and money into the things that aren't part of your goal. And that's that's something that we become really transparent about when we start working with people. If you come to us and say, I need email marketing. We'll say, okay, great. Well, but do you like, like, do you really, <laughs> is that actually something yeah. that's going to light you up? Is it going to bring you joy? Is it going to help you make a bigger impact? Um, if the answers are yes, then great. Uh, we, we would love to help you with it. But if you're not energetically excited about it, and if it's not part of the big dream, you're going to get tired of it. You're not going to want to yeah. contribute to it. And then that doesn't serve anybody, especially the people that you're not going to be talking to over email. So that's the way that we like to show up and, like I said, I don't know everything about every platform, but we we sure love to ask the right questions and make sure that we can um, find a really good alignment with the people that we serve. Yeah. And that's just, I really, really like what you said about um, feeling in alignment with a certain type of thing. I know for me personally, there's certain, there's certain I guess, um, marketing streams in my business that I feel good about and I get excited about. And then there's other ones that I'm like, Oh, that's such a drain on my energy. And copywriting is one of them, right? Like I just hate writing stuff, but can talk on a podcast for hours, for example, (laughs) and every person, but then to other people getting on a podcast would freak them out. Whereas they could sit and write email, you know, emails to their list three or four times a week. So it totally depends, I think, on the person and what um, what what gives them energy so that they can stay consistent across that, you know, one particular aspect of their business. So when it comes to the type of, I guess, you work in multi-different facets. You, you've obviously got your agency, but then you also work with entrepreneurs. I would love for you to touch on some of the coaching that you do with entrepreneurs and how you sort of transitioned from your technology business into now coaching, because I know you've got a lot of experience and background in that, in that space as well. Yeah, of course. And again, it's, it's really applicable to what somebody needs or what they need to be open to. Um, so, so for example, um, if you're listening right now, you likely identify with being a technical person or being a non-technical person, right? If I'm if I'm in front of a room, like raise your hand if you consider yourself a tech person. You you get one set of hands. Okay, raise your hand if you just want to have nothing to do with technology. There's it's binary. There's never 
well, I kind of, or I like it. It's it's either you love it, <laughs> totally, or you are so adverse from it, and you say you're the dumbest person in the room, even though we know that's not true. So, yeah. what I like to do is say, well, first of all, if if you're a technical person, we just want to make sure that you're following the right path to again make the impact that you want in the world, and that's that that's fine. Though those are my people, we we think the same. We're analytical. We're data nerds. Um, but those that identify as being non-technical. I, I start to ask questions like, what kind of phone do you use? And typically it's the latest, uh, you know, Android phone with all the bells and whistles or whatever, or it's an iPhone. And I'm like, show me some of the things that you do on your phone, you know, and then they go into multitasking and putting this in the corner and copying and pasting and then connecting to this service. And I'm like, and you're going to tell me that you're non-technical, right? It's just, it, it we, we, we have this perception of ourself, and it's one of the hardest things to to see ourselves, you know, from a third party view. But it's typically the non technical person that puts the the most effort into their business because they feel like they're trying to make up for something. Does that make sense? So when I can identify that and pull those pieces out, kind of extract that from that person, it's kind of amazing. It unlocks this this incredible side of them that they didn't know they had. But most importantly, now they understand. They, they know what they don't know, right? We go from mm-hmm. that, I don't know what I don't know, to now I do know it. And you can choose if you truly want to embody it or if you want to go find somebody to help you build your dream. So I just happened to build an agency that helps people get there if they don't want to hire, if they don't want to take it in-house. But a lot of times we can get a lot further than we think we can. And that's really how I like to approach it. So whether it's consulting, coaching, or just having a conversation, I have the privilege of having a few years of experience doing it and seeing how technology has evolved, but I had to get really comfortable with where my speed spot was as well. So helping people really see that and pull the best out of them, that's where I love to bring my network in. So if you're looking for an integrator, I know five that I can introduce you to. If you're looking Mm. for expert marketers, if you're looking for somebody who can help you launch a podcast, if you're looking for a PR person, I've built a massive network and I'm super proud of that. Um, And we love to lift each other up. But unless you know why, like unless you can go back to your why of like, why do I even care? Then I can't connect you. I I can't do anything Mm -hmm. to really support you. So we typically will start there. And um, I hope this is a quick exercise that anybody can do who's listening to help think about that before they have to invest in anyone is what really does light you up? What is that why? And the more that you can get clear on that, the sooner you can ask questions and ask for help. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And and that comes, that question is knowing your why comes across in so many different types of businesses, because I think a lot of people, when they get into their own business, particularly, they might be going in for the wrong reasons or not being clear on what their why is and what actually excites them. I remember seeing Peter Kelly talk and say, um, you know, there was a, she was on stage one day and she was talking about what excites you and what it, what it, what that means really is what would you get up in the morning and do for free day after day after day, if you weren't getting paid. And I remember hearing that question and I remember at the time when I first heard that question, I was not doing that thing. I was like, if I didn't get paid right now, I would not be getting out of bed to do this. <laughs> and so I quit. And you know, when you do switch to working in your true passion and to following your dreams, obviously it's hard at the start because you don't necessarily know know what you're doing. But then once you start to get a little bit of momentum and have a team or employ people like yourselves to help facilitate that and and point you in the right direction then all of a sudden it becomes much more doable and and with clearer structure around it yeah. instead of just saying i have this dream how do i do it <laughs> right I, I i really love that it's a very simple exercise to to get clear about am i doing what I actually really enjoy. Um, a yeah. lot of the times we forget to ask ourselves that question. Like right mm-hmm. now for for one of my businesses, like 
I'm, I'm in creative financing all day. I'm pushing and pulling money. I'm figuring out, okay, what can I put here? How can I reinvest? And yep. if I wasn't getting paid for it, it's a good question. I'd have to, I'd have to think about that myself, but maybe a level deeper is what is it? What's the, what's the net net, right? So mm-hmm. my actions are helping to build a business that employ, I think we're at about, um, I think we just hit 30 employees and contractors with oh, Carter Investor, which I'm really proud yeah. of. And I love yeah. the fact that we're supporting these wonderful humans that are helping build this dream together and they're supporting our clients. And with that support, we see the positive social impact and the growth mm-hmm. that our clients are getting. So if I had no clients or if, and if I was doing the same thing and if I had one or two employees, that would be a way different perspective. Um, and mm-hmm. I would still have to ask, is this the best use of my time? Am I the right person to do this? But the fact that as challenging as it may be, and as much as I, you know, I got no hair left, but if I want to pull out my hair, <laughs> what, what would I be asking that question? It's, well, maybe what's the net net? If, if I wasn't getting paid for it, am I still building something that can outlive me? Is it, mm-hmm. is it still something that, that can make a bigger dent on the world? And yeah. We all love money. We all love getting paid for, for what we, we put our efforts into. But if you're building something that is um, way more infinitely sustainable, then it's okay if you don't get paid as much as you choose to because you're really laying roots for 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 something bigger down the road. That was something that um, my mentor had, had helped me realize um, a while back as well as um, at an earlier stage in this business. I had banked a lot of money. We found profitability coming out of the pandemic and I was feeling really grateful. It was great, but it came at such a cost. I was wearing so many hats. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was, it was crushing me. I was working unsustainable amount of hours and I was just like, okay, well, yeah, I'm getting paid, but at, at what cost? And it made me realize I had to be willing to redeploy that money um, to be able to come into new challenges, to be able to tackle new things. So. I love starting yes. that conversation there and then pulling yeah. like a little bit deeper and saying, okay, well, what if it works? <laughs> like there's yeah. always the, what if it doesn't work? Yeah. Right? But what if it does? Um, yeah. How exciting could that be? And is it worth putting up with some of the shit in the beginning <laughs> to, to really get a little <laughs> bit further and, and see what's possible? That that's what gets me. That's what gets me really fired up. I just, got so excited when you were talking about that, because I think that this is one of these common misconceptions of like when people transition into their own business, they get excited and they don't realize that they might have to do a year or 18 months of grind. And what I mean by that is they might have to do some of the things that they really don't enjoy doing uh, in order to get them to a place that their business is sustainable, has passive income coming in, creating more of that sort of legacy wealth, uh, as you were saying, something that is bigger than you and will continue for more years to come. And the resilience that you need and the tenacity that you need at the start of any business is, I personally think, one of the key reasons that a lot of businesses fail in their first year. Because people come in with this bright idea, thinking that it's just going to take off right away, that they're instantly going to have income. And I know for me personally, when I start, first started my business, like I just finished my tax. So at the time of recording this, this is end of April, right? So I just finished my tax for my first year in business. And I had seven streams of income. And only one of them was actually from my, from my, my new business. And so the other six... Was I passionate about them? No. Were they things that I wanted to do long-term? No. Did it cost me time and energy? Yes. But I had to do what I had to do in order to keep the lights on and be able to fund my new business venture. And there is a there is a break-even point, I think, where you start to go, okay, of these seven income streams, which ones are worth continuing and which ones are costing you energy that are taking away from your existing business plan. Because if you want to grow and um, and put time and energy into something that is going to be bigger and greater for you over the long term, then there has to be short-term sacrifice in some areas because you only have so much bandwidth and so much capacity and time and resources 
in order to put into one thing. And where you see a lot of entrepreneurs do burnout is they put so much time into something that potentially isn't generating any returns and then they you know are losing money and this and that and it's like this it's this dance between trying to figure out how to keep the lights on but then also direct energy into the bigger vision and the bigger goal and then you know setting yourself up so that when you do take on less from your other six income streams to put into the one that you are really passionate about making sure that you're on the right track with that if that makes sense. It does. I just sort of and was visualizing it in my own head. <laughs> yeah, and, and that, that, that's it. Is it's different for everybody. But the question mm-hmm. is, is it a business or is it a hobby? And mm-hmm. the quicker that you can decide which one it is, the quicker you can show up for it. Like, it's yeah. fine to have hobbies, but don't expect to let that turn into generational wealth. So yeah. when you get really clear about what you're focusing on, you've got to be willing to sacrifice not just the time and it's not all about grit and hustle. It's about what are you focusing your time on? Um, I I'm big on analogies. So it's, it's, it's kind of like fishing, right? You can Mm -hmm. start by fishing in different areas, you know, around the lake or pond, but if there are no fish where you just really love to sit, well, do you expect to catch fish? (laughs) Right. So you, you have to go to where you're actually finding some kind of results. And even if you, even if there's nowhere to sit, even if it's not that enjoyable, can you make it enjoyable? Can, can you turn it into something that's yours? That's the beautiful thing about entrepreneurship is we can create money out of nothing. Mm -hmm. And you have to ask yourself, are you willing to do what it takes to see that? And, and that's what a lot of the times is, you know, we, I just mentioned that, like, what if it works? Um, yeah. we, we get stuck in like the fear of failure, you know, imposter syndrome, all these things in the beginning. Uh, and that's normal. Yeah. That's human nature. But once you face that and you realize, actually, I got this, there's a whole nother level of fear, which is, oh, shit, what if it works? Am I actually afraid to succeed? Am I afraid to stand on a taller pedestal where people know my name and I might have to hold a microphone and people have to trust me? It's, it's a different level of showing up and it's not for everybody, mm-hmm. but it's fine if it's for you. A lot of times you just have to do that work to get there. And that's when you start to see the fruits of, of that tree. That's when the seeds that you plant actually start to grow. And, and that's where it gets really exciting. And that's when a lot of new opportunities open up for you that you could not have seen in the very beginning. Right. When I started yeah. this agency, I was still programming. I was still a software engineer. I've, I've been a software engineer now for 20 decades. I finally let it go in 2019, right? It's 2022 right now. I, I coded the majority of my professional life, almost all of it, but mm-hmm. only until I decided to let go of that because I realized I wasn't keeping up with it. I wasn't excited about it anymore. I would rather hire and pull in really great coders who are passionate about it and energetic about it and fulfill their lives but also supported a bigger way that I was able to really focus in. And that's why I was so excited to change everything that I had done in the past, which is tech and software. We live in the Bay area. You know, I, I lived the dream there. It was a Mecca for me, right. <laughs> got to build startups mm-hmm. and have fun and be in the city. But once I let that go, I made room for what was coming and yeah. I didn't know how long it would take. And yeah. I would never say I still have it all figured out, but I'm at least enjoying the process. And now I'm no longer afraid to succeed. I'm actually embracing it. And that was, that was my own personal growth kind of journey. I had to, one, face the fear. Two, realize there was a new fear. <laughs> and yeah. now it's, it's having enough capital, having enough of a network, investing in the right things to sort of go to that next level. And I'm really grateful for all the challenges because without them, I would still be a software engineer yeah. and I wouldn't be enjoying it. But now I actually get to wake up and enjoy it. And when I do code, I, I do it a little bit and still dabble for charities that I support. And uh, yeah. it's fun. It's nostalgic, but it's a hobby. And that's the difference between how I delineate at least business versus hobby. And I, I hope that helps for somebody listening too to decide what it is that seriously does still light you up. Because without yeah. that clarity, you're not going anywhere. Yeah, and, and it's so true. And And I remember listening to Lori Harder talk about how as you become more successful, 
the imposter syndrome never goes away. It just changes about what you feel like an imposter about. And so, you know, it doesn't matter when people think of success or making it or whatever, uh, new, new challenges arise at every level that you continue to grow at, but it's how you are able to adapt to those new, um, you know, surroundings and challenges that it's a snowball effect. Like if I was to jump from where I am now to five years down the road, I wouldn't have the skills of every little step along the way that would have prepared me for that next level. And I remember hearing, because I know you love analogies as well, but I remember hearing a quote when I first started my own business that said, if you want a six-figure business right now, ask yourself, if you were a boss, would you pay you six figures for the work that you're doing in your business? And I remember hearing that and I was like, ooh, yeah, that's true. Actually, I'm probably doing 14 hours a week. So how can I expect to be making a six-figure business if I'm only putting in 14 hours a week. And then I switched to doing 14 hours a day <laughs> for you know six months, six or 12 months to really get my business off the ground. And I was like, okay, now I'm at the level where I can reasonably say that I deserve to be at that type of income because I was putting in the effort into figuring out what I needed to figure out, learning the things that I needed to learn, engaging in the masterminds and this and that. And so when people are starting into whatever they are taking from a passion project in turning it into a business, I think it's really important to look at it is like, as you said, are they treating it as a business or are they treating it as a hobby? And when I first started my business, I was absolutely treating it as a hobby right? And, and there's a transition that has to happen in order for you to take it from a passion project to something that's going to be legacy wealth. And it takes time to build. It does. And you, you absolutely, you, you nailed your, your expression of, of what it was for you. And, and that's emblematic of, of how yours is different than mine, but we all go down that same path. Like we have to figure out what it is and mm -hmm. based off of what we decide we actually want, how we get there is up to us. Um, but are you willing to put in the work, to put in the time, to figure it out and know that if you want to pivot, I wouldn't say you're starting over, but you're, you're, you're definitely getting clear on the things that you don't want to do anymore. And uh, mm -hmm. that's a really powerful thing. So now, for, like, for example, one of, the, one of the other agencies that I'm a co-founder in, um, we're, we're two and a half years into the business and we just sort of reinvented what we were doing again because things yeah. change. Um, we, we love our clients. We love our team. But we're all energetically a little bit different, passionate about something slightly different. So we had to ask ourselves, is it worth continuing doing this? And we took two months worth of taking time every week to have meetings and see where we're going and, and figure out where we've been and all those things. And finally, someone brought up the idea why don't we only focus on this one thing? And we we're all like, yeah, what, what do we do with that? And we all got really clear on that plan. And now we're all fired up again. And yeah, guess what? We, we have bigger clients than ever. We have more opportunities than ever. And just because we changed that frequency that we were operating at, we have had some of the biggest names in the business come to us because we're just showing up differently. And mm. I'm not going to say it's like that for everybody, but the possibilities are for everybody. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm getting more open to the whole manifesting and, you know, calling it and all that stuff. It's never been really my thing, but ever since I've been open to it, man, it's worked. <laughs> so, yeah, I I'm exactly the same. I literally just tapped into that recently and I was like, Whoa, this is crazy how it actually works. <laughs> it's kind of wild. Yeah. It's kind of wild. So I'm, I'm super open to that as well. And, um, I would encourage everybody listening to be also because finding some level of that, again, makes you want to show up. And if I wasn't getting paid for it, would I still want to do it? It's like, well, mm -hmm. maybe I'm not getting paid for it, but maybe I'm expanding my network. And yeah. maybe that network is going to allow me, you know, that's how we're here on the show together, you know, totally. because we both invested in expanding our network, we got connected. And yeah. that's a future catalyst for growth. Yeah. And they say your net worth is only as big as your net work right? Because it's not about what you know anymore. It's about who you know. And we're all that one introduction away from somebody that could totally change our life, our business, the trajectory of what we're doing. And I love what you said about being able to sort of pivot in your business and refocus into a new area that 
is now super exciting for you and your team and that you're going to be able to grow that into something beautiful because so many businesses get lost in this idea of permanency and their identity with a particular thing. And then as trends and as business and everything changes, they don't necessarily keep up with that, right? And they don't evolve. Look at BlackBerry technology, right? It didn't evolve the way iPhone did. And and we see a lot of good companies you know, really struggle after a couple of years of business because they're not changing and adapting to what the market is actually demanding or or wanting. So let's talk a little bit about, um, let's transition here into how you got into the mastermind and Fast Foundations, because I know that you guys have been in like every single round of Fast Foundations, uh, which is such an amazing mastermind. It completely changed my business. I, I have met the most incredible people from going through that experience uh, with Chris and Lori Harder, and uh, you and your business partner have just uh, taken over Fast Foundations. So I'd love for you to touch on that experience and and what you've got in store uh, in, for for the upcoming events that you've got. Yeah, absolutely. So Fast Foundations was one of those things that I also took a risk on. Um, in early 2019, I stepped away, excuse me, from late 2018, I stepped away from my last startup, objectively successful. We had 50 plus employees, we're a multi-seven figure company. Uh, I was a co-founder in in that one, and we we built one of the top ten um, shopping cashback sites on the web. Um, it was a lot of fun, made a big impact, but I just I knew I had more. I wasn't as excited about what we were doing there anymore, and I wanted to start over, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. So, starting a new business, um, I again I was still coding. I was I was taking contract work. I was figuring it out, and I started to just ask myself, well. You know, I've I've had success in business, but I've never had that big win. I've never, I've never hit that you know, um, that that level that you can't really define that you just feel is like true success. It, there was there was just something missing, and I just didn't know what that was. And um, a, about a year and a half prior, I had met Chris and Lori um, through Lewis House. Uh, we were both at the Summit of Greatness um, event that Lewis threw, um, and we, we had met collectively at a dinner and um, I, I got to know a little bit about them, what they were doing. So when Chris and Lori and, and Chris's brother, Nick had put together this, this mastermind program it was brand new. It was an experiment. Chris already had a mastermind where he served entrepreneurs that were making half a million a year or more. Um, and he had been running that for a while. He wanted to try building this one as an opportunity to serve new entrepreneurs to be the fastest way to scroll to excuse me the fastest way to scale their early stage growth business but smart marketer and businessman he also wanted it to be a catalyst to get people into his higher level mastermind so he was like okay well we're just going to try some stuff and it's similar challenges but it's different conversations right rather than bringing somebody in to talk about how to reinvest your money how to diversify how to how to try new things it was let's open you up to what's possible Let's let's have these really strong conversations about should you even have a podcast? Um, you know what types of marketing should you do? Um, thinking about new revenue streams, ways to create money. So, two very different types of conversations, but all with the same goal to to give you a bigger network to help you grow. And at the time, I was just like, oh man, I don't have the cash to invest in anything. Like I'm I'm just starting over. Um, what do I do? <laughs> and I, I decided to pull the trigger. Um, after a lot of conversations, my wife gave me the push and was like, go for it. And I had the support, but I joined a room of people. I had no idea who was in there. I didn't know a single person in this, in this group. And it really changed so much for me. And it was simply because I was willing to raise my hand, ask for help, you know, sweaty pits and all. I had no idea what I was getting into, <laughs> but the willingness to show up and, and face that like, I don't know what I don't know, switching it over to now I do know some things and I have to decide, I have to discern what do I want to do with that information. So the program really changed me because it wasn't because the instructors were, you know, gave the most life altering tips and it wasn't because the guest speakers were world renowned. It was just because conversations could be had in a safe space. I could ask for help. I, I wouldn't be judged. And 
I didn't see how I could give value because I was like the, the lone tech guy, right? Again, raise your hand if you're tech. I was kind of the only guy who raised my hand. <laughs> um, but the, the group ended up voting me MVP of that round by my surprise. And I was like, how did I give the most value to this whole group when I feel like I'm ostracized, like I'm, I'm odd man out? And it was such a big, it was like a light switch. Yeah, it just, it just turned on. It, it, something just entered into my head that I'd never seen before. And I was like, wow, I can give a lot of value. I can receive a lot and I can be in a safe space to grow. And I, and I was, I was a full believer in the power of just investing in yourself and doing it in a contained way. You know, um, there's nothing wrong with buying friends. If those friends are out to cheer Mm -hmm. you on and you're going to get a a positive ROI in the future, whatever that is, could be financial, could just be having closer friends that cheer you on. Mm -hmm. So I decided to stay in the program for a while. Um, friend of mine, um, who's now a business partner, um, spoiler alert, we met in the program and now we've, we've merged our businesses together. <laughs> um, his that. name is RT Custer. <laughs> um, at the time he was growing a watch company for those watching the video, he takes, um, antique pocket watches and converts them into beautiful, um, works. So of art, cool. Um, yeah, I've watches. seen them on his, his website. Yeah. Very cool. And, um, he's, he's your type A visionary, right? He just, he, goes for it. He's relentless. And I'm more of the operator. I'm more cool, collected, pragmatic. He's just like, let's go. Let, you know, he, he knows <laughs> when to, when to kind of put the brakes on, but his, his tenacity to try things really, really stood out to me. And, um, we became friends, stayed in this program for a while. We ended up moving on doing our own things. And, uh, RT and I, um, ended up teaming up and we, we merged our businesses together, um, mid last year in 2021. And now we run Carter and Custer. That's where the name comes from. But along the way, we were talking with Chris, who we're really grateful to call Chris a friend. He's, he's still very much a mentor, but, um, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to call him a friend as well. And Chris had mentioned he was going to be shutting this program down. He, he and Lori and Nick loved this program they just didn't love the weight that it took from them because they were focusing on a lot more of their legacy place. Lori's building her alcohol company. Um, Nick is pivoting and Chris is really focusing, you know, kind of like we talked about stepping away from other things and just focusing on what he really wants to do with life. They want a family. They're working towards more personal type things. And Fast Foundations was unfortunately just turning into a distraction. He wasn't able to serve his higher level mastermind as well. So we had these conversations with Chris and um, the idea came about, we were just like, dude, can we just buy it from you? Can, can we, can we keep it going? Like how cool would that story be if we, we were members, we became coaches in it and the program was saved by the coaches because we believe so much in what it can do and that impact that it can bring. Mm-hmm. And uh, at first he was just like, we talking about, he's like, I'm interested, but like, what are you talking about? We're like, we can do it better than you. We, we, you know, we, we meant that out of love. We're like, you have always kept a very small and nimble team. We have a lot of employees and our employees want to help entrepreneurs and they want to serve. And again, I'm never going to say we got it all figured out, but we can have fun trying. And it just became this awesome story. (laughs) So we, we ended up doing the deal. We announced it. Uh, We kept the program alive. Um, And I'm really excited to say that as of right now, um, April of 2022, we opened the next round. Um, it's kind of a tribute. And uh, we have 34 members um, in this new generation Fantastic. of Fast Foundations. Yeah. Chris and Lori and Nick all spoke at the first event. Um, Chris will for sure be at the second. Um, and we plan to continue it and have a great time and just serve entrepreneurs who are trying to grow their business, who want to get out of their own way, um, maybe feel some of that imposter syndrome. and now, when they hear from me, when they hear from our T, when they hear from our team, they, you, if, that's, if that's you and you're picturing yourself in the room, it's very clear that you can realize that maybe you don't need to hustle for eight years, mm. right? For us, it ended up being three. I mean, hell, just two years ago, I was sitting in the seat of the room that I now co-own, right? right? So like we, we gave that kind of perspective to this group. And if you, you could cut the tension with a knife when we said that, it was like you, you could just feel this weight just like lift from everybody there. 
which mm. is we put this arbitrary number on long on long game. You know, what is long game and how long does it actually take? Right. It really doesn't have to be that long. And yeah. if you're willing to do the things and to invest in what's scary and try and figure it out and fail along the way and, and reinvent yourself, you, you can really, you, you can really do some amazing things. So that's a little bit of the story We're we're really excited, um, yeah. privileged and feel honored to have picked up the baton and to grow the program and to really have a lot of fun with it. And we just, we just love serving entrepreneurs at this stage because we were just there. And again, yeah. not going to say we've got it all figured out. But a lot of the things we've we've mastered, and we're so excited to share that and just help people on their journey. Yeah, and this is something that I really feel passionate about as well, particularly this mastermind. So last year, I did three masterminds. Two of them were more focused on developing my skills, and then the Fast Foundations Mastermind was really about sharing skills with your network. And what I loved about that mastermind of Fast Foundations was that um, as you said, like you met your now business partner, RT, through this mastermind. I have met my closest four friends from Fast Foundations. Two of them in particular, we talk daily. One lives in Texas and the other lives in South Carolina and I live in Vancouver, Canada. I would never have met these people in everyday life. And we talk every single day. We bounce ideas off each other. We give each other feedback on our social media posts, on our email marketing, on all sorts of things, because we're all at relatively the same point in our business. And what I loved about this mastermind and meeting the different people in it was I, I went in thinking that I was going to be taught how to do something, right? And yes, I learned some aspects of that, but it was encouraging us to get outside our comfort zone and meet other people in similar situations to us that we could collaborate with, share knowledge with, grow our audience with. Like my podcast has had probably 15 guests from that Fast Foundations Mastermind on it. And each one of them is a specialist in a different industry, a different area, has different expertise. And I would never have met those people if it wasn't for that mastermind. Of those 15 people, I've probably had client referrals from four of them. Again, broadening that audience, broadening that reach of now those clients can have an experience in my business and refer friends in their geographic location, right? And it's just so cool how even three years ago, business was not being operated like this. It was very much, who do you know in your city? Go out for coffees, go out for lunches you know, getting COIs or referral partners. Now it's like anybody can have a global business. And I kind of like what you said about like, sure, if you have to buy friends, if they're the right people, why wouldn't you? You know, because if these people are going to have a positive impact on your learning, on your business, on your growth and refer you clients that you wouldn't have necessarily had access to, why would you not invest in this mastermind? It's like opening Pandora's box of opportunities. You know what I mean? Because I, for me personally, it totally changed my business. That it, the people that I met completely changed my business, and that's why I was so excited to have you on this show today to talk about what that journey looked like for you. Because every entrepreneur's journey is different, and it can be a very lonely road at the start. And you're, there's a lot of like trying to figure it out and trying to do this yourself. And when you have those people that you know who have either, they're either six months ahead of you and they've done the email marketing where they've done the social media strategy and you guys all collaborate and share knowledge for free essentially because you've met through this facilitating group. It's just, it's like kind of going back to school. It's like working on school projects together. You know, that's yeah. kind of the way I like to look at it. And it was just so... Yeah, I just can't rave enough about it. So I'm so happy that they said that you that they were selling it and passing the torch because that's succession planning and essentially that's leg that's legacy, right? It's it's creating something amazing and then and then passing it on to people that are passionate and going to grow it into even more amazing. Uh, so I'm so excited to see what you guys are going to do this year. So um, I know we could talk for hours, but for our listeners. If they want to know more about either your agency or Fast Foundations or how to work with you and, and some of the services that you provide, what are some of the ways that they can get in touch with you? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the probably probably two that are easiest, um, either over text or um, find me on Instagram. Um, on social, all of my socials are at Cause Hacker. Um, I, if you've ever heard the term growth hacker, uh, a while back when I sort of, I was a growth hacker, but I, I, I was kind of tired of chasing the money. I wanted to do it for a little bit more of a purpose. Um, I just sort of self-proclaimed I'm a cause hacker. And uh, now that's what I'm forever known by. So you can search for my name or cause hacker on all the socials. You'll find me there. Um, and specifically, um, I love, um, I have a text community that I grow I send tech tips. Um, I talk to people about fast foundations, what that could look like. So happy to share that number as well. If uh, if you want to reach out there and just talk to me more about fast foundations, you can text me the keyword fast. I'll know that that's uh, that's you, and we're, we're we're talking about that specifically. And the number is three one zero four nine six three three eight nine three one zero four nine six three three eight nine. Shoot me the Perfect. keyword fast. I'll know you're coming in to talk about that or anything else. Say hi. And uh, I just love serving people on their entrepreneur journey. So happy to chat with you and and see if there's uh, see if there's a direction that I can help you uh, orient to. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll link all of the information. We'll put that number in the show notes. So if you are listening and you're driving or something and you missed it, uh, just be sure to come back to the show notes for that. We'll link your Instagram as well. And yeah, I just want to thank you so much because this has been such an incredible experience for me to watch the the transition of you guys taking over Fast Foundations, also knowing what you have in store coming up this year. There is a Fast Foundations website uh, as well for those that want to check it out. Um, and I just, I'm really grateful that you were on this call today. It's really interesting to learn about all of the cool things that you have done over your career and the amazing stuff that you're doing with your team now in, in uh, Carter and Custer. And I'm so excited to see what the future has in store for you. I appreciate it, Sandra. I'm excited for you too. Thanks for having me on the show and getting to share a little bit of the story and everything else. Um, so yeah. so grateful for the time and and thanks for thanks for being so transparent and also just sharing a little bit more of of your business and how it's evolved too. I think it's really important that we all understand that we're we're all figuring it out, um, but but being willing to fail a little bit and learn from it and then continue to set new standards for what we want for ourselves is super important. So appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. So you can check out Jim Carter on Instagram at cause hacker, and you can check out fastfoundations.com and the show notes for the text list. If you want to join his text list, thank you so much. And we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. And if you love this episode, please share it to your Instagram story and tag me at sandra.m.joe. I would be forever grateful if you left me a five-star review and sent it to a friend so that I can reach as many people as possible. For more information on my financial coaching and how we can work together, check out my website at sandrajoe.com. And until next time, have a great day and go make that money, honey. Honey.